0: Yael Lasowski with the Consumer Choice Center joins us here this morning. Uh, Consumer Choice Radio airs on the Big Talker FM at 10 a.m. on Saturday mornings uh, throughout uh, our broadcast week. We engage in great local commentary and those partners of ours that you hear throughout much of the weekend beginning right at 8 a.m. with our friend Matt Hamm and Kevin Adams. Wake up our faith and that continues through around two o'clock each afternoon on Saturdays. Yael and his tag team partner David Clement a part of that broadcast schedule. We always look forward to tuning in to Consumer Choice Radio on the Big Talker FM now also syndicated up north of the order in uh, Ontario, Toronto uh, as well. Yael, it's a pleasure, my friend. I hope all is well in Vienna this morning.
1: Yes, sir. I uh, Probably not as good as they are right now in Texas, but I uh, hope you're having a good time and great to be back on the air.
0: I mean, don't be jelly. I had some Texas barbecue yesterday. Uh, did not have to wear a mask while entering the restaurant. Was not shamed in doing so. And uh, things are operating very freely here in the Lone Star State these days.
1: Joe, I have not had a haircut since December. So that, that, I think that, that tells you everything you need to know.
0: Well, and with that said, not only the haircut, uh, well, you do. How did the smoking of thy meat go for yourself uh, last week? Because I remember, you know, what was it, Bank of Thanksgiving? You had the cops called on you for uh, going out into the empty courtyard and uh, you know, smoking meat for a couple of hours against the law.
1: I think, yeah, it was a two-point, I guess, success. Number one is the neighbors are now used to me uh, smoking some meat on the weekends. And number two is I improve my technique. So I I put a lot more flame onto those charcoals in the beginning and then threw on the wood a bit later. Uh, It's all in the technique, Joe, and uh, also in how much your neighbors are actually going to tolerate. So fortunately, no cops and a very good Easter.
0: Yeah, of course, uh, for myself enjoying some nice brisket and ham last night uh, here in Texas and uh, yeah, I'm going to continue to, you know, rub that in in, in your face uh, here this morning, Yael. Uh, when we talk about uh, the Consumer Choice Center and uh, your efforts uh, to advocate for consumer choice across uh, the country, you know, what's kind of on your mind this week as we get the segment underway?
1: Yeah, I think there has been a lot in the news and I, I pretty much anyone who has had an email address in the last couple of years You've probably seen that there have been a lot of data leaks, there have been hacks, uh, there's been all, all kinds of spillage when it comes to your personal data. That's something that I know a lot of people are pretty worried about. You know, everyone is likely checking and refreshing their credit scores a lot. There is a lot of identity theft that goes out there. So one thing that we wanted to do is figure out, all right, we know that this stuff is happening. We know that some companies are just dropping the ball. We know that some states like California and Vermont Have rules but they're actually terrible because they actually don't allow a good amount of investment and entrepreneurship Uh, so we put together a couple of recommendations to policymakers as to what they should do for data and consumer privacy you know anyone who goes to Target and they swipe their rewards card that information is packaged and it is sent off in some cases it is sold And people want to know where their data is going, and they want to know that it is being protected. And I think that's something that a lot of people are very attuned to. Unfortunately, as in many circumstances, the more zealous politicians would love to pass laws that make it the more difficult to actually have a data economy. So we kind of conclude in our report and what we're putting together is that, We need to be championing innovation when it comes to data. I know that in Wilmington, uh, there's a growing IT sector. There's a lot of people who are dealing with information and data and everything related to customers buying products, to what we're seeing online and targeted advertising. Uh, We need to allow that innovation to exist. In the European Union, there's a lot of terrible laws that make it almost impossible. I can't even read uh, the Charlotte Observer or Port City Daily while I'm sitting in my home here in Austria, I have to turn on a VPN in order to do so because no American companies want to open themselves up to lawsuits from the Europeans. So that's bad. We definitely have to champion innovation. We need to avoid patchwork legislation on this stuff. We need to have some kind of federal bill that looks at the rules and also allow a lot of encryption. And uh, that's something that particularly the FBI is not too keen on they don't like the idea of people being able to encrypt their messages or their data, uh, but we think it's actually vital to our freedoms. I mean, this is, you could say it's a Fourth Amendment fight as well. So uh, we put this report together. It's over there on consumerchoicecenter.org Uh, Hopefully there's uh, some good nuggets for some some people who might be interested in this topic. I know it's a budgeting industry. There's a lot of stuff that's happening with data. We just want to be sure that we have responsible actors, we have good innovations. And I think that's a good way that uh, consumers are going to be really happy with the innovations we have in the future.
0: ConsumerChoiceCenter.org is their website. You can find out more about the global grassroots movement for consumer choice, uh, along with uh, the article Yael just pointed out, again, at ConsumerChoiceCenter.org. Yael, in your efforts in comparing life in Vienna, life in, say, your native land of Canada, uh, life in places like New York and California, as compared to where I'm at in Texas, uh, the state of Florida, it's pretty amazing, you know, how the media is able to jump on a narrative and continue to run it. And it seems like uh, public enemy number one right now in the news media is Florida Governor Ron DeSantis. I'm not sure if he had to get a spray tan and dye his hair blonde, uh, you know, if uh, they really want to continue c- this way in life in treating him in a Trump-esque type of way. This guy continues to fight back, though. He's not letting uh, you know any uh, stone uh, be turned here. He takes criticisms, he's going to fire right back, and I thought uh, the 60 minutes uh, you know, package was just uh, completely ridiculous, uh, and no wonder why the media has such low credibility uh, ratings among the viewing public these days with that sort of stuff uh, making
1: national news. And it just proves to you, Joe, exactly why we need alternative media. Mm-hmm. We need to have very good, robust social media, and we need to have good, robust talk radio where people can discuss this stuff. We saw the 60 Minutes piece on Florida Governor DeSantis was just an absolute hatchet job. It was just terrible. And as Florida is basically proving to be a model in many circumstances, particularly how they were able to avoid lockdowns, how they're able to drop their case numbers, and how they're able to increase their vaccination numbers, uh, pretty much all the people who are in the, the Northeast media would love to condemn Florida and say that they're doing all the wrong things but they're actually have been doing the best things and they've actually been following many of the scientific uh, recommendations and they've used the capacity of local markets, local pharmacies. I mean, to know that Publix is able to do all these things out is amazing. Anyone who's ever been to Florida know it's Publix country. I know Joe, you're not the biggest fan, but at least in Florida, it's the standard. (laughs) And when I lived there, I lived outside of Tampa, you know, Publix was almost a religion. And to see that, DeSantis took recommendations from local leaders and set up that deal is amazing. But to those who would like to criticize Florida, would like to criticize the governor, they see that as some kind of nefarious, uh, you know, affair or arrangement. Meanwhile, we obfuscate exactly what's happening in the state of New York and what happened with the nursing homes and all kinds of terrible deals when it comes to following the science. So I think it's just a way to distract from what's happening in New York. I think a lot of people who are listening to this are pretty tired of it. They want to know the good news. Florida gives us the great news. It gives us uh, a beacon of sunshine. And to see that there were members of the media that were cutting it down, I think is is really unfortunate. And uh, if we could actually issue our own Pinocchios, you know, a big talker Pinocchio, definitely 60 Minutes and CBS would have one, uh, at least the last couple of weeks.
0: It's so sad in that, uh, you know, the, the inability to get real, credible information and uh, stories told to you in a straightforward manner uh, from you know, our legacy news media outlets, in my mind, uh, you know, it, it is why I continue to question a, a lot of this situation surrounding COVID. Uh, maybe some say that I'm not taking it seriously enough, or you know, of course, you know, my words get taken out of context all the time uh, based on what we do here in, in, in giving opinions on a daily basis. But the whole way this whole thing has been covered from the very get-go, you know, presents a lot of questions in regards to to COVID in particular, uh, that uh, many people are still very hesitant, say, you know, to get a vaccine at this point uh, because uh, of the misguidedness and and the inappropriateness, frankly, uh, to cover this situation objectively and accurately. So you can see, you know, why people have these types of feelings and are hesitant to, to get all on board with certain things when they can't get a story given to you straight.
1: Yeah, and we we saw the numbers in North Carolina, I think it was a report by the NC Watchdog Reporting Network, showing that across all the major health systems in the state, it's only between 40 and 75% of hospital staff members who are vaccinated, and they were one of the first ones to be able to get it. I don't really know the reason for that, Um, it could be some of the, the things that you mentioned before. Uh, I don't really, I haven't seen too much reporting on that. Why do we have so much hesitancy on the part of, of people who are working in our hospitals? Now, I'm definitely all in because, you know, I'm still going to put my stake in the ground and say, once we can get a certain vaccination number, there's no way they can continue to justify lockdowns or shutting things down or stopping people from playing outside sports. So I, I still think that is the way to do it. And I do think North Carolina is doing very, very well, has been able to put out good numbers. People are getting their first shots. Johnson & Johnson's rolling out like crazy. I know there's a lot of people who are still skeptical, but in a way, if we're able to get that promise of basically ridding the governmental levers of lockdowns, I think it's something that many people will have to do. Um, Of course, this is a personal decision. It should never be a law that uh, people have to do that in order to be a citizen or something like this but I do think it is a way out. And at that point, they will have no more justification to say that we need to do uh, two weeks to to stop the curve or any of this stuff. We can actually get back to normal. We can get people working again. And I think really, if we have the vaccination numbers to prove it, uh, North Carolina can be just as free as Florida or any other state. And I think that'll provide a model too.
0: Well, with that being said, uh, yeah, yeah, I think uh, you know now many people are already questioning you know why we're not continuing to move forward with uh, the reopening of many states. Uh, given what is it here in North Carolina, uh, we've got something like uh, 27, 28 percent of the population fully vaccinated. You add in those who have already contracted uh, the coronavirus over the last uh, year, and you're looking at uh, you know somewhere around half, or, or if not more than half, the population that has already you know moved forward with this in one way, shape, or form through the vaccination or or dealing with. Uh, the virus after contracting it uh, that many people are saying this is long past due already uh, to start to to reopen things and and continue to move in that direction and I think by and large it's because again we're being told even if you're vaccinated uh, on an airplane yesterday telling us even if you're vaccinated you still have to wear your mask and keep your distance the first question that comes up in my mind is well well, well, why are we then being vaccinated if we're still being told we have to live life uh, uh, like we've been for the past year. And no one can answer that question, yep. or no one addresses that issue or question that we have.
1: It's a good point, and I think the mu- the muddying of the waters or the poisoning of the well by the CDC adds to a lot of that. Uh, the fact that they're still trying to issue guidelines as to what you can do when you're vaccinated is absolutely ridiculous. Every study shows that essentially you've built up an immunity. Now uh, you have less of an opportunity or less of a of a chance of of catching a major. Um, Covid nineteen infection, so we should be able to go back to normal. And I understand the theater of it a little bit. You know, that's why Biden is still, even though he's been vaccinated since I don't even know when, still walks around with eighteen masks. And there are a lot of people who do that. And yeah, there's a little bit element of theater of it. They're afraid that if they don't. Uh, put on the mask and do everything else, people are going to be reluctant to continue doing that as we continue with vaccinations, which is not a good approach to take. I mean, there's all kinds of studies in public health about how you communicate with the public. Anyone has seen a disaster movie on Netflix, and the way that you communicate with the public is incredibly important. And if they continue to lie to us or give us noble lies— which is what happened in the beginning when it came to masks. They didn't want people go, going out to Lowe's and Home Depot and buying all the masks they could. That's not going to make the public trust you more. So There's definitely a crisis of confidence. We have seen a lot of issues with the CDC and the FDA specifically. Uh, they haven't even technically approved any vaccine. They're all emergency use authorizations. So I don't understand why that isn't happening. We've had plenty of trials in different countries The FDA and the CDC have been very slow. They actually just approved, Joe, the very first at-home rapid test, which is absolutely ridiculous. I've had access to this in Austria for the past eight months, and the FDA and CDC just approved the first one. Now, a year into this, uh, they really dropped the ball. They monopolized the testing in the beginning, and I think a lot of people are not going to forget this. And that means it's going to be a, an open territory when it comes to reforms for many of these public health bodies. You know, this we can't look at this as a success of our health institutions. We have to look at this as a success of our businesses, our innovators, and those in the private sector that have delivered us a lot of these vaccines, because that's the ticket out. It's not going to be some guidance form from the CDC.
0: Well, of course, and to circle back because we enjoy doing that uh, on this program. Uh, in September of last year, uh, when President Trump, at the time, was talking about Americans and their ability to get vaccinated, all Americans by April of this year, uh, where we currently stand, uh, the health experts told us that it was not likely and a far-fetched dream uh, by the then Commander in Chief. Yet here we are in the state of North Carolina, and starting back on Wednesday, what do you know? All adults in North Carolina are now eligible to receive. The COVID nineteen vaccination. So again, if uh, they were able to put their hatred for one man aside for just a moment and provide us, uh, you know, some, uh, you know, legitimate uh, information, and then you know, maybe people would be, you know. Uh, a little less hesitant to, to question everything we hear when we've heard so much flip-flopping, when we are being told to continue to operate like we've been for the past year, even though we're continuing to ramp up uh, the vaccinations. And then anytime we question some of this stuff, you know, we're basically told just to be quiet, and go back to our corner and do what we're told. And uh, that's not something that we you know, enjoy being told If, uh, you know, for for, for for many of us across the country, especially when it pertains to the government. Yeah, Jelosowski, the Consumer Choice Center with us. Yael, I know you've also touched on uh, the situation going on in Georgia, Georgia in regards to election law and, and uh, how MLB kind of caved in almost an instant manner once they received some pressure from uh, uh, sponsors and other types of corporate entities in regards to the All-Star Game, pressure from uh, political folks. In my mind, as the former commissioner of baseball said, uh, Faye Vincent, in an article in the Ar- Wall Street Journal, said, why don't we just pump the brakes? on this a little bit let uh, the, the dust settle and then move forward with something you know if we feel we need to instead we see all of these ceos and different corporate entities you know jumping immediately you know every time they face some criticism uh, whatever happened to you know a big business and uh, you know the american entrepreneur you know standing steadfast against uh, you know something just because public pressure is building against them
1: Yeah, it's the ongoing theme of politicizing absolutely everything. It continues. And I think in this circumstance, uh, there is someone that we can kind of look at to blame. There's more reporting coming out on this. But Stacey Abrams, uh, who has still not conceded her defeat uh, for the gubernatorial race in Georgia uh, all these years later because of voter fraud, uh, basically she was very much involved in putting pressure on MLB and also to the Biden administration and in the end, when people started tabulating how much Atlanta will lose, uh, around $100 million, and a lot of that is going to impact a lot of minority businesses. Atlanta is about 50% African American. You take away all that investment, all the people who are going to come to town, all the companies that were going to spend money on splashy banners and logos and everything else, that's a lot of money they're losing out on now. And that's why you kind of saw this capitulation by Biden on the masters. They say, well, if we're doing this for the MLB, shouldn't the same standard be applied to our golfers, you know, coming to the greatest golf tournament in the world? And then it was, oh, well, this the impact on working people. Look, everything that government does impacts working people in a positive or negative way. This is overwhelmingly negative. And I think a lot of the uh, media analysis on the Georgia bill was obviously very wrong Much of it was based on just terrible, I would say, activism. It was not necessarily based in fact. Georgia's laws in no way are stricter than in the state of New York or New Jersey. And to compare that to a Jim Crow of the new era, or as uh, Joe Biden called it, Jim Eagle, uh, it's just very, it's just bad. It's malpractice. It's rather slanderous. We see again that a major sports institution is basically dragged into this. All the companies are dragged into it. Uh, there's not going to be many winners here. And, you know, these are a lot of lessons that we've learned in North Carolina over the years. And uh, I I really don't see a good end for this. I think what we need is just people criticizing this and understanding the facts, listening to programs like yours. And I think then we can all make better judgments. And uh, the people who are trying to avoid risk in, you know, large Fortune $500 companies or in large sporting leagues, uh, they're going to have to stay attuned to that. You know, you can't run away from the woke crowd Always, you sometimes need to do stand up bit for your principles.
0: And really, at the end of the day, if they just uh, you know remain silent on it for a few extra days, let the cycle play out, uh, let everything be discussed, to uh, put it all out in open air, uh, then they could have moved forward and said, listen, you know, after further review, I mean, to put. Forth uh, a vague statement uh, on a Friday afternoon, leading into a holiday weekend, without citing any sort of specifics, I think just makes it look worse than uh, you know anything is. If you were going to decide to move it one way or the other, Uh, it just uh, again uh, the impact uh, that the media and the narrative has on uh, business uh, really just. it needs, frankly, it needs to stop, and we need more and more people to to step up and stand out against this type of stuff. Uh, yet we continue to see you know, big business uh, cozying on up uh, to the activists these days. It wasn't w- once like this. Typically, the corporate America was the was the evil one, was the bullseye and target for a lot of these same groups and organizations that are now you know working alongside each other.
1: Yeah, the woke companies. Uh, this thing needs to stop. They they, they don't exist to try to play a role in the culture war, companies are there to provide us services and products and to make our lives better, not to weigh in on all kinds of matters of policy and to figure out which way the culture war should go. Uh, If we continue to grow this culture war, we basically all lose, you know, at various levels. So I think... If we can have a nice separation of church and state, a separation of sports and politics, a separation of, of business and the culture war, I think we'd be a lot better off. You know, I don't buy my Tide or uh, drink my Budweiser to understand what my values are. You know, these are products that I consume, and I'm the one who determines my values. I don't need my companies to tell me that. I know what they are, so I think a lot of this is very infantilizing. A lot of it's got to stop. And uh, I th- I think that's, yeah, hopefully a better way forward, Joe. I know the uh, the sports stuff is has definitely got to take you off. You're on the road. You're commenting on baseball games across the nation. And then you go, you know, at the major league level, you have all this politics unfurling. It's definitely got to be a whirlwind.
0: Yeah, it's just not fun to – it just is not fun to view. It's not fun to watch. It's not fun to follow. And it takes, uh, you know, the, the enjoyment of the game just out of it for the everyday fan when they're being – you know, having to – put into a position where they got to take a side one way or the other based on some uh, you know political conversation in this uh, you know world of sport it's it's incredibly sad for the city of Atlanta and major league baseball to move forward with this uh, decision yeah yell yeah, it's always a pleasure my friend we'll tune into you tomorrow morning at 10 a.m. here on the Big Talker FM
1: thank you so much joe all the best
0: consumerchoicecenter.org their website you can find out more about what they do why they do it the global grassroots movement for consumer choice at consumerchoicecenter.org Connecting folks from around the world here this morning from Vienna, Austria to Arlington, Texas and back home to the coast of North Carolina and what looks to be a beautiful day here across the region and a weekend ahead. You get out and enjoy it. We're getting ready for Coastal Carolina baseball this upcoming weekend. We've got three games with UT Arlington tomorrow, Sunday, Monday. We'll be back here broadcasting again from the Lone Star State before we make the trek back home to the coast. Hope you enjoy the broadcast as much as I did here this morning. We're signing off another Freedom Friday in the books here on the Big Talker FN. Have a great weekend, everyone.